You are listening to an Elftree Publishing Podcast. Our elves have been hard at work in search for meaningful and compelling content, so we hope you enjoy this show. And now, for our feature presentation. Enjoy. Featuring free-spirited conversation to help build a better future for generations to come. This is Elftree Publishing. I've prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers. He made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Run. Run. Planet Earth about to be recycled. Your only chance to evacuate is to leave with us. Is to leave with us. From leaving behind the world of bioterrorism to off the grid and independent living. You're listening to Exit the Cult. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm your host, Joe Morales, and you're listening to Exit the Cult, a podcast dedicated to exposing the lies of the mainstream media to help others wake up to the truth. Let's exit the cult together. It's October 1st, 2021. Welcome to the show. Man, do we have a show jam-packed full of goodies for you. And by the way, I apologize. I, I know the last episode I talked about you know, some of the topics we're going to discuss. I mentioned we were going to discuss SpaceX, and I didn't even get to that. There was just so much other stuff going on. I'm sure you can understand, unless you are living under a rock or you've got your head completely uh, 20 feet under the sand, you know? We are in a complete global tyranny, and I really feel like I'm trying to do a mix mesh of topics that are entertaining, but also informative, but also... It just feels very important to speak on the top issues that we are now dealing with, especially as an American who loves freedom, who believes in just my right to choose what I want to do with myself, with my life, with my health, all these things. If I want to go become obese by eating McDonald's every day, I can do that. If I want to go run marathons and get myself into top level shape, I can do that. It's my choice. But the second We've got people telling us what we need to put inside of our bodies where there is on record adverse effects and death. All of these people in our government, politicians, professors, scientists, journalists, the propaganda, it's absolutely relentless that we have to go get vaccinated or we are just the bad guys. 
And so this is going to be a topic of discussion until this goes away. And if it doesn't go away, well, I'm going to speak out against this until I'm taken offline. I don't know what the other option I have is. So uh, I'll be updating you guys on, on a lot of the nonsense that's going on. Because let's be honest, this is all nonsensical, illogical BS. I mean, you can choose to believe this is all real. And getting this jab is the way we're going to get back to normal. Or you can realize this is a program. I know I've said it once. I've said it twice. I'll say it again and again and again. We're not going back to normal until everyone stands up against this bullshit. That's what it's going to take. The Covidian Cult by C.J. Hopkins of Dissident Voice. One of the hallmarks of totalitarianism is mass conformity to a psychotic official narrative. Not a regular official narrative like the Cold War or War on Terror narratives. A total delusional official narrative that has little or no connection to reality and that is contradicted by a preponderance of facts. Nazism and Stalinism are the classic examples, but the phenomenon is better observed in cults and other subcultural societal groups. Numerous examples will spring to mind. The Manson Family, Jim Jones, People's Temple, the Church of Scientology, Heaven's Gate, etc. Each with its own psychotic official narrative, Helter Skelter, Christian Communism, Xenu and the Galactic Confederacy, and so on. Looking in from the dominant culture, or back through time in the case of the Nazis, the delusional nature of these official narratives is glaringly obvious to most rational people. What many people fail to understand is that to those who fall prey to them, whether individual cult members or entire totalitarian societies, such narratives do not register as psychotic. On the contrary, they feel entirely normal. Everything in their social reality reifies and reaffirms the narrative and anything that challenges or contradicts it is perceived as an existential threat. These narratives are invariably paranoid, portraying the cult as a threatened or persecuted by an evil enemy or antagonistic force, which only unquestioning conformity to the cult's ideology can save its members from. It makes little difference whether this antagonist is mainstream culture, body thedans, counter-revolutionaries, Jews, or a virus. The point is not the identity of the enemy. The point is the atmosphere of paranoia and hysteria the official narrative generates, which keeps the cult members or the society compliant. In addition to being paranoid, these narratives are often internally inconsistent, illogical, and, well, just completely ridiculous. This does not weaken them, as one might suspect. Actually, it increases their power as it forces their adherents to attempt to reconcile their inconsistency and irrationality, and in many cases, utter absurdity in order to remain in good standing with the cult. Such reconciliation is, of course, impossible and causes the cult members' minds to short-circuit and abandon any semblance of critical thinking, which is precisely what the cult leader wants. Hmm, who would the cult leader be in this one? Anthony Fauci? Bill Gates? Moreover, cult leaders will often radically change these narratives for no apparent reason, forcing their cult members to abruptly forswear and often even denounce as heresy the beliefs they had previously been forced to profess and behave as if they had never believed them, which causes their minds to further short-circuit until they eventually give up even trying to think rationally and just mindlessly parrot whatever nonsensical gibberish the cult leader fills their heads with. So instead of reading through this entire document, I found a really cool video by Angel Daniel on Instagram. And uh, he kind of outlines this whole thing, which is really interesting. Check it out. 
The Covidian Cult is an article written by American playwright C.J. Hopkins, published in October 2020. Hopkins argues that we are in the midst of a global totalitarian movement, the first of its kind in human history, and that the Covidian Cult is made up of those of us who have drunk the Kool-Aid of the official COVID narrative. A narrative that goes something like this. The World Health Organization and global governments are working tirelessly to bring an end to the greatest plague in human history. Lockdowns, regular closures of local businesses, and medical mandates like social distancing masks and limits on movement are effective tools for preventing overflowing hospitals and epic death. Our only hope of eradicating the deadly virus are the new and safe vaccines and the speed by which we inject them. Anyone who questions this narrative is a COVID-denying conspiracy theorist who threatens our chance of winning this war. Members of the COVIDian cult trust their appointed health experts and trust the mainstream media. If you're anything like me, however, you're worried that the real global threat are these brainwashed bozos. A cult used to be a small band of weirdos hiding on a commune away from the prying eyes and interference of family members. But as Hopkins argues, in the age of COVID, this paradigm has been flipped on its head. The dominant culture is now the Covidians, and non-believers like me are the minority, tiny islands on a crazy planet. Hopkins says that the key ingredient of totalitarian societies and cults is mass conformity to a psychotic official narrative. This psychotic official narrative is based on paranoia and is not bound by logic or reason. The cult is faithful to the narrative, and this faith cannot be shaken by facts. Our cult indoctrination began in early 2020 when bizarre videos leaked out of China. People were dying while walking, and little armies of hazmat-suited medics were seen scurrying around trying to keep up with the dropping dead. Isolation facilities, overcrowded hospitals, and drone footage of barren cities. We were told that a deadly virus had made the supernatural leap from a bat, not a dog or a bunny, a bat, into a human, and that this unscientific event occurred in a dreaded and overcrowded wet market in a place called Wuhan. The virus escaped on a modern plane and supposedly almost wiped out Italy before it was declared a global pandemic by our new guardian of health, the WHO. The brainwashing campaign had kicked into high gear. For the first time in modern history, our businesses were shut down because of a virus. We were ordered to hide in our homes where our TVs, radios, and phones would terrify us with predictions of death in the millions, starting with the exaggerated models out of London by the infamously inaccurate Dr. Neil Ferguson. It can't be understated that this initial lockdown had a serious impact on our mental equilibrium going forward. You are non-essential. Give up your livelihood. Hide in your home and await our instructions. Wash your hands like someone with OCD. Since the initial lockdown, our minds and bodies have been under months of stress. It is the greatest psyop in human history. We've been bombarded by 24-7 propaganda. Freezer trucks, mass graves, emergency field hospitals, and the slogan to protect our frontline workers had to be reconciled with a bizarre epidemic of hospital nurses performing choreographed dance numbers in these overflowing hospitals, a phenomenon that continues to this day. Next came social distancing, a fundamental tenet of the COVID narrative. It was based not on viral science, but on a form of childlike logic. 
the plan pay off? The unconscious fear of everything and everyone. No matter how healthy they look, they could be a ticking time bomb. Limits on Gatherings was a cult mind control staple called milieu control, a technique to limit the cult members' contact with the outside world and prevent contradictory discussions. These limit numbers on weddings, funerals, playgrounds, and restaurants have been continuously randomly changed since the beginning by design. It's the constant flip-flopping of rules that is deceptively innocent but hugely effective. Cult leaders often ask their followers to denounce previous rules in place of new ones. It creates cognitive chaos. The point of the narrative is not that it makes sense. The point of the narrative is that you unquestionably have faith in it. By attacking the mind with a constant stream of never-ending facts, the ability to use logic and reason is further shut down. A campaign of endless slogans and phrases, including wartime-loaded language, has been pumped into the zeitgeist to guide our opinions and fill any cracks in the narrative. From the manipulative use of guilt to absurd scientific studies, including these more recent headlines, we have been bombarded by endless conflicting directives, wild speculation, and outright lies. The end result is that science and facts no longer matter, not to the Covidian cults. The pandemic should be over based on the CDC and WHO's own documents. 2020's death numbers describe a year on par with previous norms. But the COVID narrative is a psychotic official narrative. It is a matter of faith, not facts. The danger is a not-so-distant future with two types of people, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. If we are not members of the Covidian cult but dutifully blend in by following the rules, if we do not open our businesses and remove our useless masks all at once, then the Covidian cult will drive our car off a cliff. And unfortunately, we will have paid for the gas. You're listening to Exit Cold. Only on the Elf Tree Podcast Network. From Rolling Stone, Drugs, Desperation, and Dementia, Britney versus Spears reveals new horrors in conservatorship. So there was a documentary that came out. I guess it came out by the New York Times. It's on Netflix or Hulu, one of those streaming services. But it's essentially uh, documenting the trial of Britney Spears' conservatorship being under the tyranny of her father. And I think that's been going on for about 13 years. Britney Spears has been fighting back against her 13-year conservatorship nearly since its inception, according to the new Netflix documentary, Britney vs. Spears. Directed by Aaron Lee Carr and featuring journalist Jenny Ellescu, the film examines the level of control held over Spears by her father, Jamie Spears, and exposes several previously unpublicized attempts by the singer to break free over the years. Carr and Ellescu began working on the documentary two years ago, originally planning a piece on the singer's artistry and her portrayal in the media. Quote, But the story was also about power and control, full of conspiracy and rumors, and no one would talk until they did. End quote. The filmmakers tap a selection of people from the singer's life, including most notably her ex-boyfriend Adnan Ghalib, a paparazzo she dated in 2008, her former manager Sam Lutfi, and Andrew Gallery, a director who befriended Britney while making a film about her for MTV. They also speak with Britney's former assistant, Felicia Collada, 
Former backup dancer Tanya Barron, John Nazarian, a private investigator hired by her legal team in 2007, and Mark Vincent Kaplan, attorney for her ex-husband, Kevin Federline. Later in the film, they quote extensively from confidential court documents filed throughout the conservatorship, attesting to Britney's health and the state of her business affairs. The documentary starts the story in 2007, around the time of Spears' divorce from Federline, and shortly before the conservatorship was instituted in 2008. Typically, I don't watch stuff like this. I, I don't know why I did. I just saw it pop up and I bit, okay? What can I say? It's Britney, bitch. So from the New York Post, Dog the Bounty Hunter, setting up Florida base for Brian Laundry search. Dog the Bounty Hunter is marking his territory. So clever. The reality TV star, whose real name is Dwayne Chapman, will open a home base in Central Florida Wednesday to help sniff out fugitive Brian Landry, or Laundry, who was sought for questioning in Gabby Petito's disappearance and death. Chapman was on Marco Island Tuesday, sifting through tips while planning his next move in new headquarters, a source close to the high-profile manhunter told The Post. Quote, He's trying to decide the next best lead to track. They are returning hundreds of calls in planning. End quote. Chapman interrupted his honeymoon with his new wife, Francie Frayne, on Saturday to jump into the search for Landry, or Laundry 23. So, Hollywood, man. This is all just, this is all Hollywood. And then also what came out this week was that Gabby Petito, she was like in this music video right after the Sandy Hook thing. There was like apparently this famous music video and she was in that music video. And of course, right on cue, you know, the internet goes, goes a buzz. Conspiracy theories from MSN. Why QAnon conspiracy theorists believe Gabby Petito is a false flag. QAnon forums are buzzing over Petito's case, claiming she's an actress and using her to further their agendas about mainstream media distraction. QAnon groups on the instant messaging platform Telegram have thrown all facts and logic out the window by constructing their own versions of events. As soon as Petito's body was discovered, multiple posts popped up all over QAnon Telegram channels like Ghost Ezra and We the Media. A Telegram user with ID share or whatever, who cares, says, quote, Something's not right about this whole situation. This is clearly black ops to cover for Biden's failures. Was he ever real? Is she? Another false flag right before the audits, end quote, alluding to the common QAnon conspiracy that the 2020 election was rigged. It's kind of humorous that they have to uh, go on a telegram. That's how pathetic these, these news stations are. They, they literally go onto a telegram channel, quote some random person, who just posts anything. I mean, you could, someone could post a dick pic. Someone could post, I just shit my pants and now I'm going to go get my uh, upper lip waxed. People talk about the deep state and, and deep state agendas and distractions in the media. And we're living through it. We are literally living through nonstop distractions by the mainstream media. And, you know, people are questioning, you know, who is Gabby Petito? Why all of a sudden is the whole media turning their attention on this case and not only that, I mean, we know why. She's this beautiful, young social media star. Well, she wasn't really a star, but she was a social media vlogger traveling around with her boyfriend who essentially murdered her. Well, well, allegedly. He's a person of interest. He killed her. He ended up going home 10 days later, basically arrived at his house, didn't have his fiance with him. And just before the FBI could swoop in to question him, he disappeared. And that is the manhunt we are now witnessing all over the media. 
But nonetheless, it is very sad and thoughts to her family and all of her friends. And hopefully they catch uh, this Brian Laundry dude. So uh, best of luck to Dog the Bounty Hunter. Put that nose to the ground and sniff that Brian Laundry. You know what I'm saying? And don't leave any shits. Nothing worse than taking a hike and someone leaving their dog shit on the trail. Don't want to step on that, you know? Ruin your new Nikes. From CNBC, Amazon just revealed its first home robot. Amazon on Tuesday announced its long-rumored home robot. It's called Astro and will sell for... Of course it's called Astro, because, I mean, you know, what other name would you give a futuristic robot for your home besides Astro? It's called Astro and will sell for $999, or if you take those numbers and swap them upside down, 666. Astro seems like a strange gadget for Amazon to launch. The company is best known as an online store. And how is that strange? Like, oh, it's so strange. They're just known for as, as a, they're like owning grocery stores now. They own what? The Washington Post? Jeff Bezos? They, they try to separate all these things like they're not connected to themselves. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <sighs> the company is best known as an online store and most of its operating profit comes from its AWS cloud business. Okay. Notably, Astro is a day one edition product, which means it won't be sold to everyone at first. Instead, Amazon will ask people to sign up and then invite them to order the robot. That allows Amazon to avoid building too many gadgets that won't sell and a public flop like the Amazon Fire Phone, which was discontinued in 2015. I mean, it's smart on their end because people are probably not going to, I mean, dumb people will put this thing in their house. I think it would be fine for a business, like if you're working in some sort of like tech office, how funny it would be just to have this stupid novelty thing roaming around. But to have this in your home, watching everything you're doing, that's just, that's creepy as fuck. Amazon said Astro will go on sale later this year, but did not give a specific launch date. It's worth noting that Amazon has made similar promises about future products that either never launched or were severely delayed. Astro is about the size of a small dog. It roams around your house on three wheels, including two big ones that prevent it from getting stuck and a smaller one for rotating. It has a camera that rises up on a 42-inch arm that can keep an eye on your home as Astro patrols while you're away. Or while you're home. Or while you're sleeping. It can follow you around and play music or display TV shows on its 10-inch touchscreen. It can recognize faces if you want it to. Oh, so they're giving you an option. You can load up to two sodas in the back storage compartment and tell Astro to take them to someone in the living room. <sighs> what a gimmick. Astro is like a combo of lots of Amazon's other gadgets placed on wheels. The cameras can be used for home security or for video chat, sort of combining Amazon's ring cameras with its Echo Show smart screens. The cameras are also used to create a map of your house when you set Astro up for the first time. There we go. It's going to map your home. You can talk to Astro much like you talk to Echo or Alexa. You can change the name to Alexa if you want to get sports scores or the weather. And you can play movies or TV shows like you would on an Amazon tablet or Fire TV. Yeah, well, that sounds like fun. I mean, I can see it now. You're having a nice little intimate moment with your lover and all of a sudden this little thing comes... It's just like sitting there in the doorway watching you with those little eyes blinking on the screen, you know? Trying to make it, you know personify this thing, make it feel like a human, like it's a little animal. And it's just like, your technique is quite splendid. Your technique is making me horny. And then this little CD-ROM pops out. 
Probably not. That's an old technology, you guys. Come on. And they said, look, you can't have this opinion. It's too conservative. We're not going to allow it. I think that's a bad move. I'm a First Amendment absolutist. I believe in only two things completely, the First Amendment and boobs. I just want to make sure I heard you correctly as a woman anchoring the show. Did you say, what did you say? You believe in the First Amendment and BWS? Boobs, two things that have only never let me down in this entire country's history, the First Amendment and boobs. So those are the only two things I believe in absolutely in the country. This business I've been friends with in this business for a long time is sexism, blatant sexism, comments about her appearance, comments about, uh, about her racially, comments about her inability or perceived inability to be able to comment on sports because of, because of her gender. And to say something like the only thing I believe in in the discussion I'm about just, I'm substance, still there substance, too, and I just want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly. B-O-O-Z-E or B-O-O-B-S? Because as a woman, I'm... I'm as in boobs. I believe completely in the First Amendment and in boobs. Those are the only two things I believe 100% in in this country. And by the way, Jamel has absolutely nothing to do with the background Why are you sitting here live on CNN speaking Did you notice that? He went straight to that. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I did go right to Why would you even say that live on national television and with a female host? I say it live on the radio all the time because it's true and that's what I do. Okay, from ESPN, LeBron James says Los Angeles Lakers' goal of winning titles starts with staying healthy. LeBron said he initially felt skepticism regarding the COVID-19 vaccine, but ultimately decided to get it for the well-being of himself, his family, and his team, and not because he had a gun to his head. Quote, you're always trying to figure out ways that you can just be available and protect one another and put yourself in the best possible chance where you are available to your teammates, available to what we need to do on the floor, James said on Tuesday. The ultimate goal is to obviously win a championship and it starts with obviously health is the number one thing. We're excited to know that we've given ourselves another opportunity to be available for, to each other and that's what it came down to. So him getting the vax means he's going to be healthier? Or he's just not going to have to deal with the media frenzy. Lakers president of basketball operations and general manager Rob Polinka said last week that he expected his entire roster to be deemed fully vaccinated by opening night of the regular season in mid-October. LA's star big man, Anthony Davis, said he believed that Polinka's goal had already been met by the group. Quote, If I'm not mistaken, I think everyone on the team is vaccinated, or almost everyone, Davis said. So I think that's the main focus for us, making sure that our organization is doing everything we can to help the world, help the community, and do our part, end quote. Despite the team's commitment to the vaccine, James wasn't the only Lakers player to question it. And while James didn't feel like it was his role to become an advocate after overcoming his previous doubts, saying that he didn't feel like he should, quote, get involved in what other people should do for their bodies or their livelihoods, end quote, free agent signee Kent Bazemore said Palinka offered a persuasive perspective. Quote, when the vaccine first came out, I felt like it was kind of forced on me and I'm not a person who responds well to that. And it just kind of put this shell around me. But I had a good call with Rob Polinka, and he laid it down to me in the most fairly honest way I've ever heard. To be on a roster with so many greats, especially during my era, it would be a hard opportunity to pass up, end quote. Threatened. He was threatened. Jesus, this is disgusting. Bazemore credited the Lakers for hearing out his concerns and providing space to come to his decision on his own. 
He said he received his first dose of the vaccine over the weekend and is scheduled to receive the second in a couple of weeks. Dwight Howard, who previously questioned the efficacy of vaccines in a video posted to his Instagram account, called the issue a private matter when asked about it on Tuesday as he began his third stint with the franchise. Quote, I'm sorry I can't do it. I have a lot of opinions, but not on camera. I have nothing to say. Coach Frank Vogel said that his players' collective decision to get vaccinated could end up not only being a health and safety measure, but also a competitive advantage as some teams around the league, including another championship favorite in the Brooklyn Nets, still have unvaccinated players. I'm going to not continue this article. It's just you kind of get the point. There's a lot of pressure coming down on the players, and it's pretty weird. Not pretty weird. It's absolutely weird, and it's absolutely absurd. Because these players essentially have a 0% chance of dying from COVID and they're making it this whole fanfare, you know, wanting the public to see how these players react and what the league is going to do. It's, you know, billion dollar franchises. And so, you know, these are multi-million dollar athletes that didn't get into the league, whether they were vaccinated or not. So this is like a very new situation where players are now having to talk about their actual status like a fucking dog going to the vet. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. So here's Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic, the anti-vaxxer, telling the press why he's uh, choosing not to get vaccinated. What is it about the vaccine that that makes you uh, hesitant to 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 get it? Uh, I, I would start with um, I've had COVID um, in the past, and so our, our understanding of antibodies, of natural immunity, has a uh, changed a, a great deal from the onset of the pandemic and is still evolving. Um, I understand that the vaccine would uh, um, help if, if, if you catch COVID and uh, you'll be able to have less symptoms um, from contracting it. But with me having COVID in the past and having antibodies um, with my current um, age group and uh, uh, fitness, physical fitness level, um, it's not necessarily a fear of mine. Uh, taking the vaccine, um, like I said, it would decrease my chances of uh, uh, having a severe reaction, but it does open me up to the, albeit rare chance, but the possibility of having an adverse reaction to the vaccine itself. Um, I don't believe that being unvaccinated means infected or being vaccinated means um, uninfected. You can still catch COVID um, with or without not having the vaccine. Um, I would say, honestly, the, the, the craziness of it all in terms of not being able to say that it should be everybody's fair choice without being demeaned or um, talked crazy to doesn't uh, make one comfortable to do what said person is uh, telling them to do. Um, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's a couple of the reasons that, um, you know, I would say I, I'm hesitant at this time, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't feel that it is, um, you know, anyone's reason to come out and say, well, this is why, or this is not why it should just be their decision. And, um, you know, loving your neighbors, not just loving those that, that agree with you or look like you or uh, move in the same way that you do. It's, it's uh, uh, you know, loving those who don't. And here is Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards asking some very valid questions as he is questioned about his vaccine status in front of the world. Player, every person in this world is going to make their own decision for themselves. Um, I would like an explanation to, you know, people with vaccines. Why are they still getting COVID? if that's something that we are supposed to highly be protected from. Like, it's funny that, oh, it reduces your chances of going to the hospital. It doesn't eliminate anybody from getting COVID, right? 
So everybody, is everybody in here vaxxed? I would assume, right? So you all can still get COVID, right? We're less likely to die or go to the hospital. Okay, but you can still get COVID. Right. So, and you can still pass it along with the vax, right? So, so I'm not asking, I'm just asking so, the question. Oh, sure. And so, like, having COVID back around the Olympics, like, that basically just saying, like, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but having it. I don't want to put words in your mouth. <sighs> Ridiculous. I can't believe we're dealing with this reality right now together. This is. <laughs> we're all strapped into this roller coaster, and it's just, we're all kind of looking at each other, and it's a little awkward. It's becoming a little awkward. It's becoming like outside of the sport. You know, let's talk about the sport. No, no, no. Let's talk about your vaccine. And this is why I think anyone who's choosing not to play around with this vaccine is always going to win. Rolling Stone, the NBA's anti-vaxxers are trying to push around the league and it's working. Conspiracy theories in the locker room, mask police in the arena, superstars are trying to avoid the shot. After bringing back the culture from COVID, Basketball confronts its own civil war. <laughs> the basketball NBA logo, instead of the basketball, it's a fucking COVID, spiky COVID ball. Oh, I can't handle this shit. This is so stupid. So stupid. But I will say this, there is a silver lining. Norway reclassifies COVID as ordinary flu. Croatia's president calls out vaccine insanity. Brazil's president will not support vax passports or restrictions. Denmark lifts their restrictions, Sweden lifts their restrictions, and Ireland plans to drop COVID restrictions by October 22nd. So, listen listen up, Bill Gates. Listen up, Klaus Schwab. Anthony Fauci. Your little shitty house of cards is crumbling. But, guess who didn't get that memo? The unelected bureaucrat from New York. The new governor, Kathy Hochul. Listen to this freak. I've prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God did answer our prayers. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. That is from God to us. And we must say thank you, God. Thank you. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say I'm vaccinated. All of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. Are you, are you hearing this, bitch? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. <laughs> Jesus would be like, bitch, shut the fuck up. Vaccines? Your body's a temple. What the hell? Take that necklace off. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. I want our kids to be safe when they're in schools. I want you to be safe when you go to a doctor's office or to a Your kids had a 99.99% chance of survival with nothing. God damn it. I'm so sick of this shit, you guys. And I apologize for my cursing. I know this is not necessarily, um, this is not a children's show, but I, I, I literally, my logical mind is so disturbed by what we're listening to, but this is real. These are real people saying this stuff. 
pure insanity, you guys. This is pure insanity. And if you think these people are on the right side of history, you must be a member of the Covidian cult. Big crowds in stadiums, not clear who was required to be vaccinated. Recommendations for masks, but as you can see in these pictures, folks just weren't doing it. Uh, I, I mean, is this kind of behavior going to get us on the other side of this? Or, or if we keep doing this, are we going to be kind of stuck in, in outbreak mode? Well, we could be stuck in outbreak mode, and that's why I think what you're going to be seeing, in addition to the fact that where people are getting voluntarily vaccinated now on a more and more basis. As you said, we've been a couple of days, even over a million per day. I think you're going to see a lot more local mandates, Jim. I think they're going to be organizations, they're going to be universities, they're going to be colleges, they're going to be sports events, travel events, where the rule is going to be if you want to participate, you get vaccinated. If not, sorry, you're not going to be able to do it. And I think when we get more and more of that, I think we're going to start seeing a great diminution in the number of cases. Listen, I, I get folks want to go back to normal life. They want to go to games, right? I, I want to go. I want to go to games. Uh, but when you look at crowds like that, do you approve of that? Or is that just not smart? No, I don't think it's smart. I think when you're dealing particularly in, if you know, outdoors is always better than indoors. But even when you have such a congregate setting, of people close together. First, you should be vaccinated. And when you do have congregate settings, particularly indoors, you should be wearing a mask. It's good advice, Dr. Fauci. Let's hope more folks listen to it. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time this morning. I came to get down. I came to get down. So get down your seat and jump around. Jump around. Jump around. Welcome back to Exit the Cult. So I have this really intense and kind of badass uh, audio clip of our Senator Dan Sullivan. He is the Republican from Alaska, basically drilling General Milley about some deceptive comments that Biden was telling the American people, which were contrary to the actual realities of what was going on in Afghanistan during their incredible um, pie-in-the-face exit from Afghanistan. Giving you a truthful statement. Um, that, was, that was a false statement. Yeah, I'm not... I'm, look at... Look, I, I don't have a lot of time. Okay, was that okay. a false statement to the, the American I'm people? I'm not going to... Gentlemen, this committee recognizes that your constitutional duty is to follow the lawful orders of the president or resign if you don't agree with his decisions and policies like Secretary Mattis did. But I want to emphasize, you do not have a duty, constitutional or otherwise, to cover for the commander-in-chief when he is not telling the truth to the American people. With that, I have a few questions that I'd like you to keep short, concise answers to. On August 18th, in a media interview to the American people, the president said that none of his military advisors told him that he should keep U.S. forces in Afghanistan. General Milley. That was a false statement by the President of the United States, was it not? I didn't even see the statement, to tell you the truth. I'm reading you a truthful statement. Um, that, was, that was a false statement. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, look at, look, I, I don't have a lot of time. Okay, was that okay. a false statement to the, the American I'm people I'm not going to categorize the statement of the President of the United States. General McKenzie, was that a false statement? The, pre, the President said none of his commanders said that he should keep troops 
in Afghanistan? Was that a false statement by the president of the United States? Remember, you do not have a duty to cover for the president when he's not telling the truth. Was that a false statement I've or not? You, I've given you my opinion on the matter. I've given you my judgment on it. I'll, I think I'll, we all know it was a false statement. Okay? That's number one. The president also said if there's an American citizen left behind in Afghanistan, the military is, not, is going to stay until we get them out. General Milley, was that statement, did that statement turn out to be true or untrue by the president? I think that was the intent, but we gave him a recommendation on the 25th of August to terminate the mission on the 31st of August. statement was untrue. Let me make another, um, let me ask another question. General Milley, General McKenzie, the president around the same time said, quote, al-Qaeda was gone from Afghanistan, told the American people that. Was that true or not true? Was al-Qaeda gone from Afghanistan in mid-August? True or not true? Al-Qaeda is still in Afghanistan. They were there in mid-August. Uh, they have been severely uh, disrupted and attrited over many, many years. They are not So capable. it wasn't true. General McKenzie, was that true or not true? Al-Qaeda was present in Afghanistan. Okay, so it wasn't true. Let me, let me make one final one. The president called this entire retrograde operation an extraordinary success. General Miller, in his testimony, disagreed with that assertion. General Milley, was this Afghanistan retrograde operation an extraordinary success? There's, there's two operations, Senator. Just yes or no. I, I have a lot of questions. It, 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 was this two, an extraordinary success? Senator, with all due respect, there's two operations. There's the retrograde, which Miller was in charge of, and there's the NEO, which CENTCOM was in charge of. The retrograde was executed and ended by mid-July uh, with a residual force to defend the embassy. The NEO... You and I have discussed this. Do you, would you use the term extraordinary success for, the, for what took place in August in Afghanistan. That's the non-combatant evacuation, and I think one of the other senators said it very well. It was a logistical success, but a strategic failure. And I think those are two different terms. Look, I think, here's the problem. I think the whole world knows, this is the cover of the Economist magazine, Biden's debacle. That had stories in it, articles in it, called the fiasco in Afghanistan is a huge and unnecessary blow to America's standing. That was one article. Joe Biden blames everybody else. That's another article. China sees America humbled. That's another article. And gentlemen, the problem here, these are not marginal misstatements by the president to the American people. These are dramatic, obvious falsehoods that go to the very heart of the foreign policy fiasco we have all witnessed. These are life and death deceptions that the president of the United States told the American people. I have one final question. I might leave it because it's a long one for the follow-up, but here's, here's the anger. I've never seen my constituents more angry about an issue than this. And it's the combination of everybody knowing that this is a debacle, and yet people defending it as a, quote, extraordinary success. And here's the biggest. No accountability. No accountability. You gentlemen have spent your lives, and I completely respect it. Troops in combat, you've been in combat, you've had troops under your command killed in action. You have been part of an institution where accountability is so critical. And the American people respect that. Up and down the chain, where there are instances, commanders get relieved. Up and down the chain, we see it. The McCain incident, the Fitzgerald incident, the AAV incident with the Marine Corps. Three-star, four-star flag officers, all relieved of duty.
But on this matter, on the biggest national security fiasco in a generation, there has been zero accountability, no responsibility from anybody. So I will ask this final question of all of you. Senator Cotton talked Senator about Sullivan, it. Madam, if could, I, Madam Chair, if I may. The, could you submit your question I, for the I, record, please? We're trying to keep to a five-minute questioning round. You can ask the question in your second round if you'd like. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. God, just when it's getting good, they always interrupt. That's what I can't stand about these hearings. Is there's always like, time, 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 time out. <laughs> So here is Missouri Senator Josh Hawley basically uh, asking uh, General Milley and Defense Secretary Austin, telling him they should resign. It seems to me that you put a high priority on making sure that you were favorably portrayed by the D.C. press corps. You spent a lot of time doing that. Fair enough if that's your priority. But at the same time, we had a rapidly deteriorating, frankly, disastrous situation in Afghanistan, which resulted in the death of 13 soldiers, including one from my home state, hundreds of civilians, and hundreds of Americans left behind. And in my view, that mission can't be called a success in any way, shape, or form, logistical or otherwise. General, I think you should resign. Secretary Austin, I think you should resign. I think this mission was a catastrophe. I think there's no other way to say it, and there has to be accountability. I respectfully submit it should begin with you. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. Here is Senator Tom Cotton from Arkansas bringing the pain. One final question. General Milley, I can only conclude that your advice about staying in Afghanistan was rejected. I'm shocked to learn that your advice wasn't sought until August 25th on staying past the August 31 deadline. I understand that you're the principal military advisor, that you advise, you don't decide, the president decides. But if all this is true, General Milley, why haven't you resigned? Senator, as a senior military officer, um, resigning is a really serious thing. It's a political act if I'm resigning in protest. My job is to provide advice. My statutory responsibility is to provide legal advice or best military advice to the president. And that's my legal requirement. That's what the law is. Um, the president doesn't have to agree with that advice. He doesn't have to make those decisions uh, just because we're generals. And it would be an incredible act of political defiant for a commissioned officer to just resign because my advice is not taken. This country doesn't want generals figuring out what orders we are going to accept and do or not. That's not our job. The principle of civilian control of the military is absolute. It's critical to this republic. In addition to that, just from a personal standpoint, you know, my, my dad didn't get a choice to resign at Iwo Jima. And those kids that are at Abbey Gate, they don't get a choice to resign. And I'm not going to turn my back on them. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to resign. They can't resign, so I'm not going to resign. There's no way. Uh, if the orders are illegal, we're in a different place. But if the orders are legal from civilian authority, I intend to carry them out. These guys will not resign, as they should, for treason, but that's only because we live in a world where there are no consequences when the radical left is controlling everything like a insidious octopus with its tentacles completely up the assholes of every institution in the world by way of the bankers and, well, now we're going down a rabbit hole, aren't we? Here's uh, a little fun heckly video of Hillary Clinton over in Europe. She was booed by a crowd outside of Queen's University in Belfast on Friday 
when she was attending a ceremony installing her as the college's first female chancellor. Well, seems the people didn't like it. No. She was dressed like a, uh, like she was in the fucking 1700s, powdered wig style. And there was a kid that looked like Greta Thunberg. You know who I'm talking about. Climate girl. You know, how dare you? How dare you? Yeah, well, basically holding the tail of her long ass coat while uh, this crowd heckled the shit out of her. Speaking of Greta Thunberg, she spoke at the G7 this week in New York, and she had some blah, blah, blah to say. There is no planet B. There is no planet blah. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yes. Yes. This is not about some expensive, politically correct green act of bunny hugging or blah, blah, blah. Yes, yes. Build back better, blah, blah, blah. Green economy, blah, blah, blah. Yes. Net zero by 2050, blah, blah, blah. Net zero, blah, blah, blah. Climate neutral, blah, blah, blah. This is perhaps the easiest script that Greta's had to write for herself. This is all we hear from our so-called leaders. Words, words that sound great, but so far has led to no action. Greta, don't be so gross. Come on. Come on. Okay, I'm being immature. I'm sorry. Let's continue. Our hopes and dreams drown in their empty words and promises. Of course, we need constructive dialogue, but they've now had 30 years of blah, 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 and where has that led us? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? Totally normal, you guys. Totally normal. (laughs) I'm trying to, like, waft my face like a... You know, like I'm hot in church, you know, need one of those little fans. We are in hell. We are in hell. Perhaps Greta should uh, freshen her little history skills up and uh, discover who the New World Order is and realize that they are taking action, Greta. They're about to depopulate half of everybody. So just sit down, stay calm, and uh, spare me your empty words. Blah, blah, blah. Building back better means giving support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the SDGs. Canada is here to listen and to help. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. We owe it to future generations to build back better. We have a great opportunity to build back and build back better. To do things differently, 
to build back better and to build back bolder. And folks, it's not sufficient to build back. We have to build back better. That's what my plan is, to build back better. Here's Alex Jones on The Tim Pool Show, dropping some truth bombs. I'll tell you the answer. Bill Joy in 1999, co-founder and owner of Sun Microsystems, worth $4 billion at the time, probably worth more than that today. He wrote a big article called Why the Future Doesn't Need Us for Wired Magazine. And he endorsed Theodore Kaczynski, the Unabomber. It was part of the CIA MKUltra mind control program. That's another issue. That was declassified. And he said, I went to a conference with 200 or so other billionaires and tech owners, and we had a vote after three days. And we decided that that we just don't want to keep people around in mass anymore. We're not just going to let them play video games and you know do whatever. Really, it's not good for the earth and human life when we're not stressed enough is not worth anything. So the group consensus was we just need to get rid of the majority of people. And so we can all sit around academically and go, yeah, there are a lot of dumb, lazy people. But you know, in that act of playing God, it's, it's, it's really, really evil. You can go read Why the Future Doesn't Need Us, Bill Joy, and see that for yourself. You have your libertarians, your right-wingers, you know, this group, that group, gay, straight, black, white, old, young. And, and all of it are just levers and movements that they didn't start or even control. But now, through dumbing people down and by all the propaganda, they just see all those as movements they can play off against each other. And this is actually a big simulation they're trying to make with the AI and the computers. You know about the founding of the Internet, right? In, in, in 1960, the precursor of DARPA, because it was ARPA, uh, this big psychiatrist, super brain, like a 200 IQ, I forget his name, you look it up. He created the intergalactic communication system. That's what it was called. And he said, we'll have big computer terminals. We'll be able to miniaturize them down to handheld. And then we will use that with big screens everywhere that we'll have by then. He was saying by the year like 2020, he wanted to do it. And then and then they would be able as behavioral psychologists to control all of us with our handheld computers that were watching us and tracking us. And when they make us daily to be able to have our job or leave, have to go download it into the main computers because he was you know, thinking of something different then. Couldn't see that far in the future. So DARPA came along and created the whole system for it, for all of this to create a hive mind AI uh, interface that they want. And then when Google got set up in 1998 uh, with the CIA Incutel funding, uh, they actually admitted that was their plan of the human neural interface with this computer system to teach it how to be uh, through machine learning an interface with humans. That's confirmed. Let's read some more super yeah, chats. Yeah. Intergalactic computer you, network. You it it's J.C.R. Licklider, the first director of Processing Techniques Office at the Pentagon's ARPA. Ooh. I thoroughly enjoy the uh, the the tales that you spin, especially when when we go ahead and search and find the kernel of truth in this. Well, about, about the intergalactic communication system, that wasn't a kernel. No, no, I get, I get it. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> I get it. And I've read like 500 hour. pages from ARPA. Yeah, Jeez. they also so the, wild. The Matrix is an actual Pentagon plan. Did you know this? <clears throat> no. Uh, the Carnegie Endowment which runs the CIA today, always did set it up. Now the former director runs it because they're just fully taken over. They said to end war, they wanted proposals. And in the 70s, one that they looked at in 79, no, 77, was it birth to put us in tanks where our own heat powers it. They'll have robots with these farms that grow the food and all that. But it was, it was, it was more limited, just a quick proposal. Matrix expands on it. And then that will end all the war because we'll be in a virtual reality so there's peace. What and if then, we're in the virtual reality now? Well, they, that was the Pentagon plan. And, and, and then they declassified it in 2000. And then they asked for it to be reclassified. What if we're in the Matrix? What if the simulation isn't for fun? What if the simulation is the Matrix? And all the monkeys washing yams was because they updated it. Was a, it was a glitch. 
It's possible as things are are uh, fractal, but I think that we really got to take it seriously. Like they're trying to put humanity in a matrix right now. It's really yeah, stay, uh, th- that's why working at home is bad. Which it's good if it's free. That they can surveil everything you're doing online. And now you notice all the big companies from Berkshire Hathaway to Microsoft to Apple. Apple employees finally got it last month and wrote a letter. And the media focused on them saying we're being sexually harassed or being mean to us. That was a small part, which is important that it shouldn't have happened. But the main thrust was they make us be on the iCloud and they see everything we do and they talk about it and our bosses all have access to us in a class system. We're against this. You know what wow. the dangerous thing is? The word they. There's so many definitions of what it means. Well, it's the new super technocracy class. And so once you're at home on a computer, they all make you go on. And now they're, quote, activating the microphone, activating the camera. Same thing happened to Richard Snowden in the CIA, where the guy's watching him bang his wife and later tells him Edward about Snowden? Edward Snowden. Edward yeah. Snowden says his name. Sorry. Let's, oh, they did let's, that? Let's, let's read some more. See, I made a mistake. I said, I what did I say? I'll, Richard Snowden? Yeah. Edward, see, I made a <laughs> mistake. There you go. Mr. Obvious says, here's double for Alex Jones. In my opinion, they aren't refugees. They're economic migrants. America has around 40 million people below the poverty line. We need to take care of ourselves. We need borders. Tell Alex Jones I love him. No, I totally Mr. agree that, that, I mean, the, most of these Haitians have been in South America and Colombia and other areas since the earthquake for four or five years. And a new one hit, obviously. And they were in there complaining in the news, in the videos, in French, translated, they don't give us enough free stuff in Colombia. And so now we're here for the free stuff. And, and imagine they're here with cell phones. They're here with money to buy Topo Chico and, you know, hmm. enchiladas and bring them over. This, this is the middle class of Haiti that left there. I don't blame them. And then went to South America, and that's collapsing under the lockdown. So they said the lockdown is making us starve. We have to come here. And while thousands flood the borders and don't have to get tested for COVID, you and I do. Well, depends on what we're doing. Can't get a job, certain places, can't go into restaurants, and uh, you can come into the country. No tests. None. Nil. Zilch. Joe Biden just went on television and did his third dose in under a year. Is that, is that what, it, what it is? His third dose on live TV. And here we are supposed to believe that, oh, these vaccines are great. If I'm keeping score right now, I am three shots behind Joe Biden. Do you think I want to catch up to that? Hell no. So while Biden was getting his third dose, one of the reporters asked how many people are going to need to get vaccinated for us to get back to normal. How many Americans need to be vaccinated for us to get back to normal? What is the percentage of total vaccinations that have to be deployed? Well, I think, look, I think we get the vast majority of what is going on in some of the, some industries and some schools, 90 Seven ninety-eight percent. I think we're going awful close. And uh, but I'm not the scientist. Uh, uh, I think. But one thing for certain: a quarter of the country can't go unvaccinated, and that's not continuing to have a problem. He says a quarter of the population can't go unvaccinated. Otherwise, we're going to have a problem. His little great reset plan and all his little buddies—they're going to have a major problem because that means you've got people that are standing up and refusing the vaccine. That is a problem for them. I mean, this whole thing has become cult-like, has it not? Here is Tucker Carlson from Fox News having a go at Biden. And it's, uh, it's pretty funny and true. Is God dead? And that's it. I'm just kidding. Is God dead? 
That's the question that Time Magazine famously asked way back in 1966 when Time Magazine mattered. The answer then and now is no, God is not dead. But a lot of the people who believed in him are dead, turns out. Not so long ago, this was an enthusiastically Christian country. As recently as 2009, 77% of Americans told pollsters they consider themselves to be believing Christians. Then in just 10 years over the course of the Obama administration, that number dropped by 12 points. Over the same period, the number of atheists and self-identified non-religious people in America dropped dramatically. And that was before COVID. Politicians used the pandemic across the country to close thousands of churches and throw Christians in prison for practicing their faith. Here was the scene, for example, last fall in Idaho, police arresting a congregation for singing hymns outdoors. And it's a bunch of people outside singing hymns and there's cops arresting people one by one. And uh, the congregation is carrying on. None the wiser. Everyone's happy, had their coffee, had their donuts, feeling good. Trust in chariots and others trust in horses, but we <laughs> Sorry, I just had to replay this again. This guy totally forgets the lyrics, but listen, you can hear it. It's so funny. And others trust in horses, but we Socially distanced hymn singing outside. So what exactly was these people's crimes? That tape will be studied by future generations of historians to try and figure out what was going on. What did these people do wrong? Well, they publicly affirmed their belief in a power higher than government. Not allowed. Fewer and fewer Americans do that or even think to. But that does not mean, and this is the critical point, that does not mean this has become a secular country. There are no secular countries, just as there are no secular people. Everybody believes in something. All of us are born with the need to worship. The question is what? So no, America has not lost its religion, it's just replaced its religion. What's dying is the faith that created Western civilization, Christianity. In its place is a new creed, and like all religions, it has its own sacraments, its own sacred texts. It's the cult of coronavirus. Kathy Hochul is one of the high priestesses of this new faith. She's the governor of New York. Now, no one voted for her as governor, and that seems odd for a politician. But it's typical for a faith leader. No one voted for Jim Jones either. Yesterday, Kathy Hochul held her first service as the leader of the New York Diocese of the Corona Cult. Around her neck, she wore not a cross, that's yesterday's symbol, but instead a vaccination necklace. That necklace signified to the faithful gathered that Hochul has ascended to the select priesthood of those who have taken full intravenous communion. Listen to Bishop Hochul preach. And I wear my vaccinated necklace all the time to say, I'm vaccinated, all of you. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones, but you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know this. You know who they are. I need you to be my apostles. I need you to go out and talk about it and say, we owe this to each other. We love each other. Jesus taught us to love one another. And how do you show that love but to care about each other enough to say, please get vaccinated because I love you. I want you to live. How do you show your love to one another? The old way was to visit people, say, in the hospital as they died. That's no longer allowed. The new way to show your love 
is to get the vax. God himself wants you to take the vaccine. I need you to be my apostles, Hochul thundered. No one comes to the Father except through the shot. Sinners in the hands of an angry healthcare worker. At the pulpit, Kathy Hochul, not super bright as you may have noticed, seems suddenly transformed, a transfiguration, if you will. Standing there, she wasn't merely a mediocre, unelected governor of a dying state with bad weather. No. Hochul was the vaccine messiah, preaching the undying word of St. Anthony Fauci. Can I get an amen, ladies and gentlemen? Now, it may sound unlikely to those of you used to the older faiths, but many are joining this new church. And for $39 right now on Amazon, you too can buy a sterling silver necklace that declares that you have been vaccinated. Literally declares it. Just spells it out in cursive. Vaccinated. There's no mistaking what an incredibly good person you are. Everyone will see it. You can also buy vaccination bracelets and vaccination pins and vaccination earrings, vaccination shirts, vaccination socks. It's all at Kathy Hochul's church gift shop. Go there today. And while you're shopping, be certain to pick up a Tony Fauci prayer candle. In fact, get two. All good, decent people have more than one. For just 15 bucks on Etsy, you can buy a patron saint of staying home prayer candle. That's a real thing. We read the reviews today. Here's one of them. Love it! Exclamation point. I think I may have to set up a little altar to place it on. Another exclamation point. There's a new convert. Here's another review from a woman called Kelly Hannon. Quote, I put this in my office. I work in public health, and this makes me smile every time I look at it. Of course it makes you smile, Kathy Hannon. Virtue is its own reward. Now, for those still making the tough transition from a traditional Western religion, a religion about God, to this new religion, which is not about God, it's really about you and only you and more of you and you, 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 you can pick up this masked nativity scene online. It looks conventional, but look closely. It features Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus all with their faces covered, as they should be even in a manger. They're masked just like you are. In this religion of narcissism, the holiest figures look exactly like you do. That's the point. We'll reach back 2,000 years and change the appearance of historical figures to look exactly like the people in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. That's what this religion's about. And speaking of babies, you want to celebrate your children's baptism by vax by purchasing a sacred text to memorialize this moment. We recommend this age-appropriate Tony Fauci coloring book. This book promises, quote, hand-illustrated coloring pages starring your quarantine dreamboat. Not surprisingly, the reviews online are glowing. Everyone loves it, with one exception. Of course, there's always an apostate, the kind of person burning stakes were created for. Here's what that nasty non-believer said in the snarkiest possible way. Quote, there's a section at the back of the book where kids color numerous pages solid black to help Dr. Fauci cover up his involvement in the pandemic. Yeah. Guess we know who to report to the religious police. For the rest of us, though, there are Tony Fauci pins, Tony Fauci mugs, Tony Fauci Christmas ornaments. There's a cornucopia of Fauciana. It's all part of the practice of this young but growing faith. Soon, the especially devout will set out on pilgrimages to Wuhan, China, where the very first miracle of pangolin to human transmission occurred. Some believe a visit to the wet market will heal them. And who are we to say that it won't? You're not going to hear Joe Biden doubting this new religion. Joe Biden is its chief apostle. 
He knows that the kingdom of Krona can exist right here on earth and that it will endure forever. But first, everyone must convert. Every last person. This is an evangelical faith. It will be spread by the sword if necessary. This week, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau continued to spill bile from his mouth. The little royal back pocket fascist decided to uh, give more words of wisdom to the people of Canada. Listen to this. For the provincial vaccine passports to make sure that when someone comes into a restaurant, they'll know they won't be sitting beside a table of people who are unvaccinated. When you go into a gym, when you go to a movie theater, you need to know that if you've done the right things, you get to be safe. You get to be rewarded for having done the right things. That's what it's all about. And those people who still hesitate, who still resist, well, they won't get to enjoy the same things that those who've done their part for others. It seems like a very logical thing. It seems like a very obvious thing. Well, it it isn't logical, Justin. The only thing that is logical is the obvious tyranny that you are continuing to rain down on the people of Canada and the rest of the world because we know all the G7 people, all the little puppets, are all in cahoots together. So when we think that every country is not, you know, a part of this great reset plan when they're, oh, they're just doing their own separate things. No, they're all having to operate under a set of rules because there's different rules in each country and they're trying to coerce and gaslight the public. And it's just obvious. Any human being with a beating heart knows this is something's off here. This isn't right. This isn't about COVID anymore. This is about something else. And the people know. And this is the desperation, I think, why they're coming out and looking like some cocky little bratty, you know, eighth grade bully trying to tell people what to do. You got to go, if you go eat somewhere, you're going to, you want to know that you're not sitting next to an unvaccinated person. And we, we already know now that it doesn't matter if you've got vaxxed, you can still spread COVID, you can still catch COVID, you can still get sick, you can still die. This is all ridiculous. And I know I keep saying that, but what the hell else is that? Here's Senator Rand Paul confronting Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Becerra, about people with natural immunity and how uh, Becerra has been going around, traveling the country, slandering, essentially, people who claim they have natural immunity and don't want to get the shot. So here's uh, this very interesting confrontation. Mr. Becerra, are you familiar with an Israeli study that had uh, 2.5 million patients and found that the vaccinated group was actually seven times more likely to get infected with COVID than the people who had gotten COVID naturally? Senator, I'd have to get back to you on that one. I'm not familiar with that study. Well, you think you might want to be if you're going to travel the country insulting the uh, millions of Americans, including NBA star Jonathan Isaac, who have had COVID, recovered, look at a study with 2.5 million people and say, well, you know what? It looks like my immunity is as good as a vaccine or not. And in a free country, maybe I ought to be able to make that decision. Instead, you've chosen to travel the country calling people like Jonathan Isaac and others, myself included, flat earthers. We find that very insulting, goes against the science. Are you a doctor or a medical doctor? I've worked uh, over 30 Um, years on health policy. you're, You're not a medical doctor. Do you have a science degree? And yet you travel the country calling people flat earthers who have had COVID, looked at studies of millions of people, and made their own personal decision that their immunity they naturally acquired is sufficient. But you presume somehow to tell over 100 million Americans who have survived COVID 
They have, we have no right to determine our own medical care. You alone are on high, and you've made these decisions, a lawyer with no scientific background, no medical degree. This is an arrogance coupled with an authoritarianism that is unseemly and un-American. You, sir, are the one ignoring the science. The vast preponderance of scientific studies, dozens and dozens, show robust, long-lasting immunity after COVID infection. Even the CDC does not recommend measles vaccine if you have measles immunity. The same was true for smallpox. But you ignore history and science to shame the flat earthers, as you call them. You should be ashamed of yourself and apologize to the American people for being dishonest about naturally acquired immunity. You want more people to choose vaccination? So do I. You want to lessen vaccine hesitancy? So do I. You want to have that happen? Quit lying to people about naturally acquired immunity. Quit lording it over people, acting as if these people are deplorable and unwashed. Try persuasion instead of government cudgels. Try humility instead of arrogance. Try freedom instead of coercion. But most of all, try understanding that there's no more basic medical right than deciding what we inject into our bodies. Today, after hearing that millions of people in a study prove, show without a doubt that there's a great deal of immunity from getting it naturally, do you want to apologize to the 100 million Americans who suffered through COVID, survived, have immunity, and yet you want to hold them down and vaccinate them? Do you want to apologize for calling those people flat earthers? Senator, I appreciate your question and appreciate that everyone has their opinion. Uh, we follow the facts and the science at HHS. We use the expertise of the medical professionals, the scientists at uh, HHS to make decisions. Uh, it's a team effort, and we rely on what is on the ground showing us results. Except for the dozens and dozens of studies. In fact, most, if not all, of the studies show robust immunity from getting the disease naturally. The CDC says if you've had measles and have immunity, you don't have to be vaccinated. The same was true of smallpox. You're selectively doing this because you want us to submit to your will. You have no scientific background, no scientific degrees, and yet you aren't really concerned about 100 million Americans who had the disease. You just want to tell us, do as you're told. That's what you're telling us. You want to mandate this on all of us. You're going to tell us if I have 100 employees, you're going to put me out of business with a $700,000 fine if I don't obey what you think is a science. Don't you understand that it's presumptuous for you to be in charge of all the science? Have you ever heard of the second opinion? I can't go to my doctor and ask my doctor's opinion? I mean, this is, is, is incredibly arrogant, combined with this authoritarian nature that you think, well, we'll just tell all of America to do what I say, and they better, or we'll find them, or put them in jail, or not let them go to school, or not let them travel. The science is against you on this. The science is clear. Naturally acquired immunity is as good as a vaccine. The Israel study actually showing it better. This isn't an argument against the vaccine, but it's an argument for letting people make a decision who already have immunity. You're not willing to consider natural immunity? Senator, our team has reviewed every study that's out there on COVID, whether it's from Israel, from the U.S., or wherever else. They have used the facts that have been provided through the uh, rigorous research that's been done. 
to reach a conclusion. 660,000 Americans and more have died because of COVID. We're trying to do everything we can to save as many as possible. We're using the facts, we're following the science and following the law. Nobody's arguing the severity of this, but you are completely ignoring the science on natural immunity. So is Fauci, so is the whole group. You're just ignoring it because you want submission. You want everybody just to submit to your will, do as you're told, despite the evidence, the large body of scientific evidence that says naturally acquired immunity does work is an important part of how we're all going to recover from this. So is the vaccine. But when you add them together, we're at a much different place than if you ignore them. 100 million Americans, by conservative CDC estimates, have had the disease. 200 million or more now have been vaccinated. It's a good thing. Combined together, it's how the disease is. Nobody wants to get the disease. We're not advising anybody to get the disease. But if you were unlucky enough to get it, think of the nurses and doctors and orderlies who all bravely took care of COVID patients. There was no vaccine for a year and a half. They took care of people, risked their lives. They got it, survived. And now people like you are arrogant enough to say, you can no longer work in the hospital because you've already had the disease. We're going to force you to take a vaccine that the science does not prove is better than naturally acquired. That's an arrogance that should be chastened. You're listening to Exit the Cult, only on Elf Tree Publishing. Now, enjoy the rest of the show, useless eaters. I'm Bill Gates. From Zero Hedge, Johnson & Johnson officials say children shouldn't get vax due to unknown repercussions. Project Veritas is out with the third installment of their series on vaccine insiders, this time covertly recording two Johnson & Johnson officials saying that children don't need to take a COVID-19 jab. You think that babies like don't need to get vaccinated. And why do you think there's such a strong push for it? He says numbers. Right. Not something that's unknown so check out projectveritas.com with James O'Keefe and you can see the rest of that undercover expose but it's definitely worth watching if you have the time check it out and see what Johnson & Johnson scientists are saying about children getting the jab and why they don't think they need them. Yet, here we are in a world where it's all being pushed and now they're trying to get children to take the jab. I mean, does any of this make sense? Does any of this logically make sense to you? I mean, it does when you live in a house of horrors and we are being completely manipulated by, what would you call them? Ah, ah yes, monsters. So there you have it. We have another ETC episode in the bag. Special thanks to Angel Daniel, Alex Jones, and Tim Poole, Tucker Carlson, and of course, Elf Tree Publishing and all of our listeners here at ETC. If you have any questions or comments about the show, please reach out to us at exitthecult at protonmail.com or visit exitthecult.com. As always, be sure to check out the description for show notes and links to articles and videos featured in the episode. Have a killer weekend and don't be a killer.
please help support the show by becoming an Exit the Cult member over on our Patreon page for exclusive content and bonus episodes. Visit ExitTheCult.com for details. Tune in to new episodes of Exit the Cult on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening.